Hi there. My name is Preston Puto. Welcome to the Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. This is where we share some of our messages from Sunday mornings. So we're glad you're here to listen. We'd love for you to join us in person. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. At our core, we're a community of people. So we gather on Sundays, but we also do a lot in the week together. We are people learning to follow Jesus and love our city. So to learn more, visit lakeridgecommunity.com. Hope to check in and visit with you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. message now and I want to share something with you and we're going to take a look at some scripture parents you actually have on or adults you actually have on your seat some sermon notes on the back and uh, some scripture that I'm going to be referencing today and uh, I'm excited about about this message we are talking through at the moment what it is to be people who are alive in Jesus who are full fully human and who are entering into God's good story together. But to show you something that I'm going to talk about today, uh, I want to show you a nature video. Does anybody like nature videos? Scotia and I like to lay in bed sometimes and watch nature videos. This nature video, I want to put a little warning on it. It's a little scary, okay? Uh, especially for the sensitive ones here, I was realizing this. I was like, this, there's a part that's scary in this, but I'm going to put a little caveat. This is going to give it away. It ends well, okay? It ends well. Uh, it starts a little scary, but it ends well, and it's going to be okay, okay? Are you, are, does anybody here like, like lions? Yeah. I got to go years ago on a, to Africa, and we were doing work there, and I got to see lions and hyenas out there, but I did not see what I'm about to see here, okay? Is everybody brace, brace yourself for a nature video that I guarantee ends well, okay? How is that for setting things up? Okay, let's watch what happens in this video here. As they mature, young males begin to explore the boundaries of the pride's territory. Red has ventured out alone. <laughs> and blundered straight into the middle of the hyena clam. <laughs> of them. <laughs> the pack tries to wear him down. This number of hyenas could kill him.
it's impossible to fight them all at once. He can't keep them at bay for much longer. He's tiring fast. His ally, Tartu, has heard the commotion. hyenas. A pair of male lions is too much to take on. Red is lucky. Wow. What what happened there? I found it scary. When I first watched that, I was like, my heart was racing. I looked in the face of that lion, and I saw, I don't know if you noticed the face of that lion when he was surrounded. It was, he was terrified, right? He was very nervous. He was so afraid. Has anybody here ever been so surrounded by things in their life that they got really afraid? <laughs> Do you ever get really, really afraid and you aren't really sure if all the things surrounding you are going to, like, consume you? Usually when we are surrounded by something that's big and scary, we begin to respond in ways that we don't expect. We begin to respond with anger or fear or sometimes cynicism. Sometimes we get jaded. Sometimes we lash out at other people. There's so much can happen in us when we feel surrounded. When we feel alone. In this video, I think I saw this lion. And I didn't know when I first saw this that it was just called Lion Was Surrounded by Hyenas. And I'm watching this and I'm going, oh, what's going to happen, right? And then, who comes out of the side? His friend or his ally, right? Somebody who's on his team comes out and everything changes. It just goes from one lion to two but it changes because he has his friend come and rescue him. And what do the hyenas do? Whew, they're gone, right? They're out of here. They know numbers. They know how this works. When there's two lions, you can't take down two lions. I think this is a beautiful picture of what we're going to talk about a little bit today, which is this idea that between two people in the body of Christ, that is us, and the people of God, between two people is Jesus who holds us together. And we have each other. And there's a very special way that followers of Jesus get to, I'll say that again, get to relate to each other. And it's a way that's very much full of great hope. 
And it's a way that I think is so foundational to who we are as followers of Jesus here at Chestermere, or here at Lake Ridge Community Church in Chestermere, because I think we occupy a very different way of relating to each other. And that different way of relating to each other can change our entire lives and move us from a place of cynicism and fear and anxiety, drooling, afraid of what's going to attack us, to living in great peace, actually, with each other. I think those two lines don't always get together, though. I bet those two lines haven't always been chums. Has anybody had a brother or sister uh, who maybe you've um, experienced that before, right? Okay, so we have some brothers here below. They're smiling now, but I've seen them not smiling before. Mom and Dad, yeah, you have seen them probably. They're missing hair for reasons that I'm not sure about, right? They've probably been at each other before. But I guarantee, siblings, when there's, an alt, when, the, when there's an outside force coming at siblings, watch out, right? Watch out especially with, 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 with these boys too, right? I bet that they could defend the entire neighborhood if it came down to it. I know them. Our relationships are tough. And even Jesus' Jesus's earliest followers, they, learned, they had to learn that Jesus was between them. I'm going to talk today about two of Jesus' earliest followers. One was Peter, who was one of the first people that Jesus called. He invited Peter as a fisherman and said, come and follow me. And Peter lived for about three years following Jesus before Jesus died and was crucified. And Peter shows up quite a bit in the story as an early follower of Jesus. Imagine spending three years with Jesus around the campfire seeing the things he did. Peter was one of the guys that got out of the boat and walked a short while. Peter was really, he had a lot of courage. Peter could step out and be involved in something. And he was brave, but he was also a bit of a fool at times. And he missed the point more often than he got the point. So we meet Peter, and Peter was somebody who was working out what it is to follow Jesus. Can you imagine spending three years following Jesus and still working out what it is that Jesus is doing? I'm going to introduce you to a moment in time that I think is very interesting between Peter and Paul. So we have Peter. He followed Jesus. He's a bit of a little hard-headed. Some people in this place might like Peter a lot. They're like, I'm a lot like Peter. I can identify with him. Sometimes me and Shannon Dean, uh, we were having a visit the other day. I'm, I'm, I'm poking on Shannon here. He, I don't think that he's even, even here, so he's going to be later. What, you're bringing me into your sermon? He goes, he says, I think I'm a lot like Peter. I think I'm a lot like John, a lover, right? And so, so, so we banter back and forth of the ways we follow Jesus. Well, there's another guy who is following Jesus, and he came to it a little bit later. Paul was a guy that did not meet Jesus during the years that Jesus was ministering. In fact, when Jesus died and rose from the dead and lots of people started to follow Jesus, Paul was one of the first people as a Pharisee, as a very religious person, a very smart person in the Bible and the law. He thought, this Jesus is a bad guy. And the followers of Jesus, they're bad too. So he started to go out and persecute, kill, hurt the early Christians. Until one day he was walking on a road and like this light beam and the voice of Jesus and the very person of Jesus met him on the road and suddenly he had this encounter with Jesus. Very short, probably 23 seconds, that he encountered Jesus and he was blind and it changed his life forever 
and he became a follower of Jesus. So somebody who spent three years following Jesus and somebody who spent uh, a few minutes meeting Jesus in this vision moment. These are two of the early church leaders. Well, one day, if you have your Bible, and I put it on the back of this little piece of paper here, but if you have your Bible, uh, you can turn with me to a moment in time in the book of Galatians. It's a little bit later on. In my book, it's almost near the end here, and it's large print, so your sermon's going to be extra good today because I can actually read what I'm doing. In Galatians 2, we encounter this moment where these two church leaders have an argument. Imagine, these two first people. Can, can you imagine following Jesus and actually having an argument with somebody? Oh, you haven't been part of the church for long enough, right? These guys are disagreeing on something. And Paul takes Peter to task on something. This is what he says. So Paul first met Peter very early on after he had this moment and vision. He goes and he meets Peter and, and stays with him for about two weeks. And learns about Jesus. And then he goes away and learns even more. He's already a really smart guy, but he's putting all the pieces together. And then... And then he goes, and in the book, into Galatians, he's publicly calling out Peter here. So imagine this, okay? He says, in Galatians 2, uh, we'll we'll do 14. Oh yeah, no, 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 Verse, verse 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, so Paul's talking about Peter, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people. He goes on and says, When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of them all, and he tears a little strip off of them. (laughs) So here's Paul. He's talking to, about Peter, and he says, I went there, and he was eating with the outsiders, the Gentiles, until he was around all the Jewish religious leaders, like me. <laughs> then he pretended he didn't know anything about the outsiders, and he didn't want to eat with them. And he says, he's wrong. Imagine calling out, as Paul, imagine calling out Peter and saying in this letter, saying, Peter was wrong. And he goes on a tirade after this, and he says, this is the power of Jesus. And he really lays into the story here. He's like, Peter doesn't know the power of Jesus in his life. He's afraid. (laughs) Wow. So that's Paul talking about Peter. He's saying he's afraid. And he says, I tore a strip off of him. And I told him, this is what Jesus is about. (laughs) What a bold thing. The guy that met Jesus for all of a few minutes is tearing it into the guy that lived with Jesus. But let's take a look what Peter says. Peter writes something about Paul. I wonder how he's going to come back. Maybe his comeback's pretty tough. It's like, what? What do you know, Paul? Right? What do you know about Jesus? I spent a lot of time around campfires. I walked on water. You only met him in a vision. And you were killing Christians. I don't even know if you're part of us yet. Okay. Do you think that that's what he said? No, good. 2 Peter 3. Let's see what Peter says about Paul. 
2 Peter 3.15. I think I need one size bigger of scripture verses here. <laughs> By the end, I'm just going to have big cue cards or something. Okay. Here is what he says. He says, And remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother, so he calls him beloved brother. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. He's saying, he's saying, my beloved brother Paul, wisdom God gave him. This is who he views Paul to be, right? That Paul is so full of God's wisdom. Speaking of all of these things in all his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand. So he does take a little moment here. He's like, yeah, what Paul writes is a little bit complex, right? I'm just a fisherman and Paul's some smart guy. Some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different. Just as they do with other parts of scripture. And this will result in their destruction. Here's Peter. He's saying Paul is every bit knowledgeable about who God is as anybody else. In fact, what he is writing is so meaningful. This is God's wisdom. And he says, like other scripture. He's saying what Paul is saying is just like scripture. Peter and Paul, two of these people who are writing about each other in these letters, two brothers who have come together because of Jesus, and they are, one is a, just a fisherman who's, who met Jesus, but Paul is come and Peter is saying he's just as knowledgeable about who God is. He knows Jesus just as much now as I do, and that makes us brothers. Imagine having the humility of Peter to be able to point to somebody who barely even met Jesus and probably in some weird tripped out vision on a hot summer day. We don't totally know, but what if it's enough for Peter to say, no, he knows Jesus just as much as I do, and that changes us now. That changes something about our relationship. What do Peter and Paul learn here? Peter and Paul learn something that I think is vital for us to be learning here. And it is that no matter what their circumstances, how they came to faith, how they knew Jesus, whether face to face or come to know him later, through the power of the Holy Spirit, each of these two brothers became exactly that. They became brothers on the same team. And Peter writes about this. In 1 Peter 4, Peter writes about what it takes to grow together as followers of Jesus. 1 Peter 4, 8 says this. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Here's Peter. He's starting to look out and he is saying, share your home. You are given gifts as much as I am. And guess what? Your love will cover a multitude of sins. He's probably thinking of Paul at this moment, right? Paul who called me out. You know what? Love covers a multitude of sins. I love Paul. And Peter is, I think, learning what it is to enjoy that his own sins are covered. Remember, Peter was somebody that denied Jesus. 
He's first in line to know how forgiven he is. He's first in line to know, I knew Jesus, but I also knew what it was to spit in his face and turn my back on him and still be forgiven by Jesus on the other side. He knows what love is. So when he sees somebody like Paul, who's hard to understand and too smart for his own good and used to kill Christians, he's like, love covers a multitude of sins. Jesus changed his heart in such a way that he could turn to a Paul and say, we're brothers now. And you should do the same. You should have that unity in you. Now, if you think it's just Peter who understands the great joy of this, Paul's figuring something out too in his own letters. He's learning that there's a new way to live, a new way to go about things. You see, Paul used to figure out the way to fix the world was to get violent with the world, right? Have a stick in one hand. Have sharp words in your mouth and go around and fix the world for God. Make everything right. Maybe you are one of those people. Maybe you live with one of those people. Maybe you wanted to be one of those people or were. Well, Paul is learning a new way to engage this world. Ephesians 4 starts this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Imagine Paul saying, always be humble and gentle. He's found this is the way through the world. This is what Jesus is doing in the world and is doing in him. And he's giving this advice to others. Be patient with each other. Do you notice how Peter before talked about patience? Now Paul's talking about patience. That's the way. Be patient with each other. Do you ever find that you make a discovery about something about God? And ten minutes later, you think everybody else around you should also have made that great discovery too? And now you're mad at them for not making that great discovery that you made only ten minutes ago? Right? You become really smart, but everybody else, oh, they're in, the, they're in the rearview mirror. But I figured it out, right? That's not how Paul says to go through. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance, hello, for each other's faults because of your love. Because of the love, Christ's love, Christ's love is the thing that influences your love. And because of your great love, you now make allowance for each other's faults. Wow! That sounds different than what I was taught up to be. You don't make allowance for each other's faults, right? But here Paul's saying it. Make allowance. Make some room for them. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. Every effort. The thing you should be working on as a follower of Jesus is to make an effort to be bound in peace to others. That is the great goal according to Paul here. For there's one body and one spirit, just as you've been called with one glorious hope for the future. There's one body. <laughs> Jesus' body isn't broken up into several bodies. You are part of it. In the covenant, we believe we are part of this universal body of Christians everywhere. That's why no matter where I meet Christians on my travels, when I meet them, I'm like, ah, we have a bond of peace between us. Jesus is between us. We are part of the same family, the same body. We get to share, we, the same blood source that gives us life is here between you and me. Paul, he discovered this. So Peter and Paul, I put on this little piece of paper here. There's a picture of Peter. Peter kind of has a white beard and hair. And Paul, he's bald. This is one of the very first pictures 
found in some catacombs, they found these only recently, they were all covered in soot, and they cleaned them off, and they discovered. So this is, uh, I think that we got John, and we got Andrew, and we got Peter, and we got Paul. And it's interesting, almost all the very first depictions of Peter is a pretty hairy guy, <laughs> and uh, later on a lot of them have him in, in gray hair. And then Paul, almost all the depictions have him kind of a Danny DeVito level short with bald hair and a little beard. And so to find it even again as one of the very first depictions, kind of, I don't know, it, it does something inside of me when I see these. I kind of go, these are two real people who came to encounter Jesus in two very different ways. How does it change your imagination to imagine that Peter and Paul, who each could have fought it out, decided to take the humble, gentle patient, leaving room for each other pathway into what they were doing and setting the stage for the early church. That's how the early church found its footing. Not always finding common ground. In fact, when Paul would start a church, he would go in and he'd get the church going, and then he'd be like, okay, we have some slaves, we have some free people, we have some pagans, we have some Jews. Pretty much you guys are good to go. Figure it out. Hope it all works out. Just remember Jesus. Okay, bye-bye. I'll... I'll write you a letter later. And they stare at each other, and the only thing that they had between them was the sense that they have a bond of peace in Jesus. That's their glue. I want to show the next slide here. This is also another very, very, very early depiction found on a sarcophagus. Um, Peter, Petrus means rock, and Paul. And look what's in between them. It's an early church symbol called the Cairo. It's the symbol for Jesus. Cairo is for Christ. Chi is the X for the kind of the first letter in the word Christos, and, and the P is actually a R. And so this symbol, the Chi and the Rho, the, the C and the R, are the first two letters of Christ. And this was like the secret stamp that they put on things to show. <laughs> but in between Peter and Paul, that somebody would put on their sarcophagus, on their coffin, this, to say that in between Peter and Paul, in between the first major leaders and followers of Jesus was Christ. Jesus, not their skills, they had skills, not their great stories, not their authority, not their uniformity, not even their good choices, because heaven knows they didn't make good choices. Not any of those things held these two together. The thing that held them together was Jesus. You see, I want to ask you, if Jesus has the authority to hold this religious leader and this guy who followed Jesus and knew him, if Jesus has the power and authority to hold them two together, I want to ask you this. Does Jesus have the authority, the power, and trust in your relationships? Do you believe that the power of Jesus can hold you together with those around you? Do you believe that the people around you are too sinful for you to be near? Do you believe your marriage can be held together by the power of Jesus? Or is it all on you? Does Jesus have this kind of power in your life? Does he have this kind of power on your street? We have a whole bunch of new people moved onto our street. They all speak different languages than I do. I want to know if the power of Jesus can help me even forge peace between us and them. 
If I'm believing that for people who are very different than me on my street, how much more can we believe that for here? You see, Lake Ridge Community Church cannot grow on our skills, on our superpowers, on character, on our wealth, on our volunteerism. No, it is a move of the Spirit between each person here that we would have a bond of peace between us that would be unbreakable because of the power of the Spirit in Jesus Christ in us. That is the foundation that the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of God's people is built upon. Nothing else. <laughs> we are one family. Jesus lives in you, or Jesus is in you, means that you can be relationally brave. You can be brave with each other. The peace that is forged between us isn't a glossy peace. Peace does not come just by glossing over the problems. Sometimes it's being brave and saying, Chris, we got to talk. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Sometimes it requires being brave in what we give each other. Sometimes it means putting ourselves last, or loving, or being hopeful, or encouraging each other, or calling somebody up, showing up at their home. Because you have Jesus between you and somebody else, you can enter into any relationship here at Lake Ridge because you have great courage and bravery that Jesus is between you and the other person. Do you know something happened years ago? I started to pray. When I pray in the morning before coming here, I started to hear the whisper of God in my heart. And the whisper of God in my heart started to say this inside of me. It said, Preston, I love these people. And I'd come here going, okay, God loves these people. And I'd hear it again another Sunday. God, I love these people. And you know what? The more I started to listen to his voice, guess what happened one day? I came here and I said, I love these people. Jesus' voice for you became my inner voice for you. And it is really hard to hate or hurt or be ashamed by somebody who you see through the lens of Jesus. Okay? When you come here at Lake Ridge and you see somebody who is different than you, or you hear they believe something different, or they've done something that you don't like, you come here and bit by bit the voice of Jesus becomes between you and them, and it changes you. And you get to enjoy your faith community. You get to enjoy being fully human. A fully human person is a person who between them and everybody else is their creator, Jesus, who died for them. And you get to have a relationship with that person. There's days, it's no hidden secret that I want to go some days and live in a cabin in the woods. Okay? If you look at my uh, internet history, it's usually me looking at cabins in the woods. Because I'm very interested in going there one day, especially when it gets thick, right? Especially when the hyenas of my own heart start to circle. And I feel like I'm alone. And I start getting afraid because I feel like I don't have it all together. And I just want to get out of Dodge. Do you ever feel that? I'm looking at some people who I know this week wanted to get out of Dodge. You wanted to find a way out. You are getting circled. And then into your story comes somebody. Into your story comes somebody. And it might have looked 
like your next door neighbor or somebody who's in this room with you today. It might have looked like your spouse or your kid, but I think it might have looked a lot like Jesus who entered into your story and said, you are not alone. I am here. I am rescuing you. I am with you. You are safe. Jesus in you means you can be relationally brave, forgiving, last, loving, hopeful, encouraging, open, honest, safe, and at peace with each other. Do you, does Jesus have the bond of peace between you and the world around you this week? Peter and Paul discovered Jesus was able. What is Jesus able to do in you? We were talking about the pietists. I got, do I have another picture here? Oh, yeah, I think I do. I think I do. This became one of the earliest um, icons that was put up in a lot of churches. <laughs> it's Peter and Paul embracing. You can Google this up. You'll find so many versions of it. These are two people who wrote letters to each other. These are two people who at one point were trying to even hurt each other. Afraid of each other. And here we discover that in Jesus they became allies and friends. They came to each other's rescue. One who knew Jesus very well was now able to say to the other one who just barely met Jesus and says, Jesus is present in you too. Did you know that even if you never met Jesus, even if you never stepped out of a boat or sat around a fire with him, Jesus lives in you as much as he did in Peter and Paul. The great hope of the gospel is that your heart and your life, you can know Jesus to the same exact amount of intimacy as Peter and Paul did. This I did not believe when I was young. I was mad when I read the scriptures. I was mad because I'd read these stories of people who knew Jesus and I said, Jesus, why can't I know you like that? Why can't you talk to me? Why can't I be the one to get out of a boat? Why can't I be the one to witness your miracles? And as a kid, I wanted to see. Until I began to learn and impress on my heart that guess what? Jesus does know me. Jesus is intimate with me. Jesus lives in me and I can know him just as well as Peter knew Jesus. And when I begin to believe that, I begin to live a whole new life with Jesus. If Peter, who fumbled along wondering how to live a Jesus life, is still discovering Jesus years after, then I have a great deal of hope that I can discover Jesus now. I'm going to end with this, and we're going to have Lord's Supper. I'm going to do it a little differently today, but I'm going to end with this. C.J. Nival, he was an early pietist, and we've been talking about the kind of roots of our churches in pietism. And one of the things that the early pietists discovered is this thing called the bond of peace between people. That this is the way that we got along. In a world that was fractured, in fact, there was probably a new group of people splitting from another group, new group of people every 12 seconds. And it still happens around the world, and it's an utter shame. Because the early pietists, they discovered the only way forward is if we believe that Jesus is present with us, is that we can have the bond of peace between us. So there's a quote I put in the back. It said, peace within the group does not mean that all think alike and interpret things alike, each wishing to see, as it were, his own self in another. But it does mean that each one recognizes his brother 
in Christ. Whatever else the conditions may be. (laughs) Friends, at the table, which I think the table is becoming more and more a picture for what God's doing here. What happens at a table? You sit across from each other, right? That's why I organized it like this today. We're sitting across from each other. It's hard to be at a table and sit across from somebody and not talk to them. Not at least greet them or say hi. I think in Christ we are turned from facing away from each other to facing each other and we can meet again. So we're going to do something at the table today. Paul says to the Corinthians, when you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper, he says. (laughs) Paul likes his sharply worded letters sometimes if you read him. He says, you're not... When you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you are in a hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others, he says. (laughs) He calls them on it. He says, you guys like to gather, but you really don't like to see each other. You really don't like to believe that between you and the others is Jesus between you. And so, he gathers them up and uh, he reminds them that this is a meal that is a uniting meal where we serve one another, where we look out for each other, where we're on each other's team, where we're like the lion that comes blazing in to be with each other, to say, you're not alone. Communion, the very word, is about uniting us. And it might just be some crackers. There's some gluten-free options. And it might just look like some little cups with some grape juice in. But I think there's so much more going on here. That's why there's a tradition in the church, and it comes out of Scripture, that actually people, before they were to take communion, were to go find their brother or sister who they had a fight with (laughs) and make it right. Because they needed to be reminded. It was less, I think, about actually fixing all their problems and it was more about saying, I still see Jesus in you. (laughs) And you still see Jesus in me, right? Whatever we did to each other is secondary to the fact that we still see Jesus in each other and that's the foundation Lakeridge Community Church has the foundation of seeing Jesus in each other. That is the bond that holds us together. It will never be my preaching or my handsome good looks. It will always be that I see Jesus in you, and you see Jesus in me, and we can be friends. So how does seeing Jesus in others change the way you set the table of your life? Well, I think it changes the way we do this. So I'm going to invite Kate. She's going to come up and play. And we're going to do something different at the table today. Old, I know. You can see that it's a long table. And I'm going to invite people from this side to come up. And I want you to come up to the table from this direction. And there's going to be people on this side coming up to the table from this direction. And I want you to meet somebody at the table today. And at the table, I want you to look across. And I want you to say... Hi, I'm Preston. What is your name? And then Jennifer would say, My name's Jennifer. And then and then what I and then and then I'd like you to say something like, Hi. It's good to see you here today. This is weird, isn't it? Whatever you want to say. And then I want you to grab a cup. And as you hand the cup over, I want you to use your imagination and see Jesus in that person. That between you and every person you meet and over this table that you would see. And I'd look at Jennifer and I'd say, and in my mind I'm thinking, Jesus lives in this person. Then I want you to hand over a little cup. And 
If they've listened to instructions, they'll hand one to you. And then I'd like you to uh, just take this. I don't think we have to touch it, but you can just reach, reach over and, and give somebody a, a cracker. And know that we are one body. The body of Christ is formed as we look at each other. The body of Christ is held together as we see Jesus in each other. And if you've ever been at my kitchen table, you'll know it's loud and boisterous and there's probably spilled stuff. That's probably going to happen here. But Jesus says, he said, do this in remembrance of me because as often as you take this bread and eat this cup, you replay out the grand story of God's sacrificial love throughout all of human history for us. That we can be one people, united in God who loves us, forgiven and made whole by the, whole, by, uh, the power of Jesus on the cross in his death and resurrection until he comes again. So, come my friends and see Jesus and each other at the table. You are welcome here. Please come. And if you see a kid, offer it. Jesus is between you and a child too. Come to the table and welcome each other here.
friends. And I just ask, what did, you, what did you see? What did you see at the table today? Is anybody surprised by something? Anyone? You managed to spill. There we go. You saw people eating. That's good. Friends, what I hope that you saw between it all was that you saw your brothers and sisters in Jesus. And that you saw that the people who gather here and around you and that you might see and might know that these are people who are full of Jesus' presence. Not because of something they did, but it's a gift of grace. So I'm going to end. Would you stand with me? I'm going to read a benediction. Peter, Jesus' friend, writes a letter. And I love how he ends with this letter. From the scripture from 1 Peter 5, he says this. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Friends, this week, I trust that God is putting you on a firm foundation. That whatever hyenas are surrounding you, that you will see that God is coming in to be your rescuer. Amen? Amen. Go in peace, everybody. Have a really good, good week. Bless you.